welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is chris miles from money ripples welcome chris hey thanks for having me on the show rama Sure. Thank you very much. And a little bit about Chris. Chris Miles, the cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor, is a leading authority teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them today. He's an author, podcast host of the Chris Miles Money Show, has been featured in US News, CNN Money, Entrepreneur on Fire, Bigger Pockets, and has a proven reputation with his company, Money Ripples, getting his clients fast financial results. In fact, his personal clients have increased their cash flow. by over 250 million in the last 11 years. So with that Chris, would you like to add anything to your background? Well, yeah. I mean, uh I mean that's definitely a good summary of it. You know, really if anything, I'm the person that does the opposite, right? If you look at the majority of of people around, especially Americans, most Americans are living a status quo kind of life. It's they do ordinary things, they save their money, they try to pay off their debt, they save it in 401k's and IRA's, and as a result, they get ordinary results. And uh, and I didn't think that at first. I about 20 years ago, I started out as the traditional financial advisor. You know, I was given the conventional advice, telling people to save everything, spend nothing, thing save it forever in mutual funds and then hopefully someday you'll have something and as time went on especially about 3 to 4 years into that business and i started to really, I, i really like evidence i like to know that things work and as i started to see the evidence of clients i realized even clients that had decades of financial advice from these financial advisors they weren't financially free and most importantly you would think if if it works for anybody it should be the financial advisors who are supposed to be the experts and they weren't financially free either you know trying to save up these mutual funds if they had any hope of financial free, freedom is because they earned commissions off their business. It was it was transactional income, not passive income. And so about 2006, I I got associated with guys that were into real estate investing and I realized, you know what? I can't keep doing this. I can't stay in integrity and keep teaching people about, you know, the, doing the traditional financial advising. So I quit, you know, about March 2006, quit at the height of my business. I said, "All right, I'm just going to basically just do mortgages as a mortgage broker and then teach ballroom dancing at the local university." Right? And that's the direction I took. But of course, I wanted to know how they did what they did and as i started to apply those concepts and and of course i had very low expenses at the time i was able to get out of the rat race myself only working a few hours a week and i was able to do that by summer of 2006 and i was 28 almost 29 years old when that happened and it was a big epiphany because i'll tell you i thought thinking like a traditional financial advisor i thought i had to accumulate money over the long haul and that hopefully if i saved up enough i can then live on less than the interest right because you can't live on the interest or you'll run out of money with inflation so i thought if i can just accumulate a couple million dollars in mutual funds by the time i'm 40 hopefully i save enough i'll be there but i found out i didn't need 2 million dollars to be able to be financially independent i just needed to have enough passive income coming in and real estate's a big part of that and that's why i'm a big promoter of it today came out of retirement 2007 to teach this kind of stuff uh, even went through the recession the recession was pretty hard on me i went over a million dollars in debt was able to dig back out without filing for bankruptcy and and then got out of the rat race the second time uh, by the end of 2016 so that's why i've been able to as you hear people say i retired twice by the time I was 39 years old because well really because I did it right you know I tried to do it right the first time and then screwed up and had to do it again the second time awesome awesome and thank you very much and thanks for sharing that and so what is financial freedom mean for you 
Financial freedom is when money is no longer the primary reason or excuse that I do or not do anything, right? It's really not a number if you think about it, because you know, financial independence is a number. I think financial independence is a calculation. You know, what does it take to create, you know, how much passive income do you need each month to be able to pay for your expenses, right? That's financial independence. But financial freedom is a much bigger, deeper type of thing. It's more of an emotional you know, and a state of being, right? It's a state of mind. And to have financial freedom, yeah, you definitely should have financial independence at least, if not better, but it's it's something that goes beyond that where now money's not running your life. You're not being controlled by money. You're controlling money. And, uh, and it's a much higher level of freedom, a much, much better place to be. Got it. And thank you. And so in bio, you mentioned anti-financial advisor. So share me more about that, Chris. Yeah. Well, as you know, I, I realized that traditional financial advising wasn't working, right? People were not becoming financially free. And, and as I calculated the numbers, I realized that even if you f- saved up a max a max amount in your 401k and got a match, you still have really no hope of becoming truly financially independent or free unless you live like a pauper, <laughs> unless you live really, really cheap. You just can't accumulate enough money to really ensure that you're going to have a safe future. And so, so that's where I kind of went the opposite route. I said, you know what? Let's get away from the traditional, just mutual funds annuities, you know, insurances, things like that. Because really, if you really just break down what financial advising is, it's really not that special. I mean, financial advising, the traditional financial advising is really broken down to stocks, mutual funds, bonds, you know, those kind of things and annuities, you know, and maybe some insurances and things like that. But really that's all they are. They're just variations of insurance and mutual funds. And that's just not going to cut it. The, the stock market hasn't averaged enough to create freedom, right? In fact, the average over the last 30 years, and that includes, by the way, the last 12 years has averaged more than a 14% real rate of return. But normally, in the last 30 years, it's only been about 8.4% as a real actual rate of return for the stock market. Um, and that's after having these all these 12 years of straight up, right? We haven't seen a down year since two, since before 2009. In fact, uh, really 2008 was the last down year we had. We're going to our 13th up year. And that should concern people because now we're on the high end of this average. You know, 8.4% is actually pretty high for even a 30-year average. You're lucky to usually pull off 6 or 7% in your portfolio um, if you do the traditional thing. And so that's what I'm teaching people to do is get away from that. Get away from this high-risk, mediocre returning type of mutual funds, stocks, bonds, and everything else, and move into more things that are safer, that are real assets, not arbitrary numbers, right? Nothing that will go up and down the value just because somebody lied about their numbers or there's controversy like with Apple right now and things like that. It's not based on that. It's based on real assets, real returns. And that's why like you guys are talking about apartment investing, you know, creating passive income through that, whether it's through apartments or real estate, if you're even getting your own rentals. I love turnkey real estate personally, you know, for myself. I do a lot of them. I do real uh, multifamily real estate investing and, and land and things like that. Uh, but there's self-storage. I mean, there's there's oil, there's franchises. There, there's so many other alternatives outside what financial advisors offer. And the great thing is that they're better returning investments with less risk, especially if you use the right people or you're using the right resources. And so that's what we're doing when, with an anti-financial plan is we're trying to get people to get out of the rat race, to create enough passive income to work because they want to, not because they have to. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So uh, would you share a little bit more about like those resources, how to find those resources, how to find those opportunities? Yeah, you bet. I mean, so first you got to find your own resources, right? And when I say own resources, not just on the connections, but even like your own money. You know, how do we unlock your own money? Many people have their money locked in prison, right? Most people will try to aggressively pay down their house and, and pay down those kind of loans when 
you know, when you have such low interest rates right now where you can get 3% or less on a mortgage, you know, really all you need to beat the mortgage interest over those 30 years, you really only need to create a, at least a 1.3, 1.4% return over 30 years, which a lot of us can probably do in, in a CD because <laughs> compounding interest will beat the simple interest of the mortgage, right? So that's key to remember is that a lot of people have money locked up in equity that's not working for them. It's not paying them money. So their house just becomes, really, it just becomes an expense. It becomes something that's kind of scary. And even when you pay it off, you still have to pay the taxes, you still have to pay the insurances, you still have to pay to upkeep it and maintenance. It's You never stop paying money. And so when people are trying to become debt-free, quote unquote, uh, they actually end up painting themselves into a corner and find out that they're actually not free at all. In fact, that's where a lot of my clients are, are at is they either they're debt-free completely, including their mortgage, or all they have left is their mortgage. And they're saying, wait a minute, I should be more free. And I'm, I'm asset rich and cash poor, right? You know, even people keep money on savings, you know, keeping money in savings or sitting on the sideline doing nothing. That's that's costing you whenever there's inflation. If inflation goes up five or even 10% in a year, you've just lost five or 10% because the bank is not going to pay you much more than point nothing percent, right? And then they tax you on point nothing percent. And then of course, you got money locked up in IRAs and 401ks that really aren't doing as well as they could be. And so we look to find ways to unlock the money, unlock those resources. And then as you find the money to unlock it, now you want to find a good team, you know, good people, good connections, right? You know, so when you're looking for operators, if you're looking to do syndications, you know, you want to find an operator that has a good track record, an operator that's willing to put their own money into the deal, not just take your money and put it in, but put their own money in. They're willing to put their money at risk along with you. You know, you want an operator that that is not trying to venture outside. When I talk about a good track record, uh, besides just having years of experience, which always is helpful, you don't want to have somebody who just started last year because that could be high risk, um, especially if they're if they've been only in an up market. It's really it's really great if you can have somebody who's been an operator, even when the market was challenging. You know, like I interviewed a guy on my my podcast show recently where he's young, he's only in his 30s, but he started investing in 2009 when everybody was running out of real estate. Everybody was trying to run away from it. You know, and he started buying real estate, even if it was just single family homes in 2009. And then we eventually went to multifamily by 2016 and, and so forth. So you want to find somebody who has a good track record, someone who's willing to have good integrity, you know, someone who's willing to honor what they say they're going to try to pay. Because I'll tell you, a return of my money is more important than return on my money. And, and let me say that again, so it's not confusing. A return of my money is way more important to me than a return on my money. Because I want to make sure that my money comes back. You know, even if they don't pay what they hope to pay because something happens in the world, something goes wrong where maybe the returns aren't as high as they predicted. As long as my money's coming back, that's good. <laughs> and even if that means that they have to get creative and they, but they want to honor their word, that's worth its weight in gold. You know, and, and that's why that's why sometimes with people with track records, it's nice to know because you can say, hey, this person, even though there was challenges, even though 2020 happened, they still kept paying out. You know, they still kept making sure things work. You know, do they keep good cash reserves or working capital in that in that deal? You know, even when I look at turnkey providers, I'm, I'm looking for those guys that find good properties that give me a good cash on cash return. You know, I don't like when I see, you know, these property guys that come out and it's like, oh, here's a five or 6% cash on cash return. That's just not good enough for me. I want double digits. You know, I want 10% plus when I'm looking for that. So, I mean, for me personally, I mean, I, I built up my network over the years, right? It wasn't overnight. It took time to do that. Um, the good news is, I mean, I wouldn't say just listen to any podcast and find people, but you will start to realize that those that are, that have the best track records, those that are, have great integrity and that have a good 
you know, really a, a good history of paying their investors or have a good history of always giving you the right properties. If you're looking for turnkey properties, you know, those people tend to hang out with other people just like them. You know, I've noticed that the charlatans, the people that are, you know, they're just all talk, no action, or they're just people just trying to sell you, but they really, you start to wonder if you're ever going to get your money back. Those people don't hang out with the people that are great. You know, the people that are really good, that have experience, they know somebody who's a BSer, right? They know somebody who's not real and they tend to attract the real deal, the real people. And, and, that's what I've done. Like, that's why I'm a part of certain mastermind groups, you know, because I want to associate with those kind of people. And I find deals all the time, even short-term lending deals. If I need that, I mean, there's so many opportunities, even in just the real estate space alone that can give you lots of returns. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So you prefer like cash flow or appreciation or both? I like both if I can get it right. But I did learn something very valuable from the last recession is that cash flow trumps appreciation, hands down. The problem I had in the last recession that got me into trouble was I started getting lazy, right? The, the thing that got me out of the rat race was focusing on cash flow. But then I started to get greedy, right? Because it seemed like everything I touched turned to gold. I felt like I had that Midas touch. What happened though, is that when I started banking on appreciation and especially when 2007 hit, then I was in trouble because now all of a sudden you got some properties that are upside down. You have to short sell them or even foreclose on them to try to get out from under it. And, and it's a really Really stressful place to be. And, and there was times I, I got into properties, I, I took the focus off of cash flow. And even worse, even before they're losing value, they weren't profitable. They weren't making good money, you know, because again, I was just hoping that the appreciation would offset the negative cash flow on that property. And, and I see this happen a lot. I mean, I see, especially on the West Coast, I get a lot of people that are, you know, buying properties in you know, Oregon, Washington, California, places like that. And those places are so hard to get good cash flow. Really the whole Western part of the United States is tough versus if you look out more your direction, Rama, like out towards like the Carolinas, there's way better properties in the Southeast United States than there are in the Western half of the United States. And so now I don't try to just bank on appreciation. In fact, I have a mantra that says boring is sexy, right? The more boring a deal is, the better it is. You know, if it's just $400 per door per month, that's way sexier to me than someone that says, Hey, you can make $50,000 in this deal. Like, yeah, I, I want to make 50,000 too. And I'd like to have both, but cash flow has got to be the priority because that's where there's freedom. And you know, I don't care about, you know, the next greatest flashy deal because, you know, when people try to flash that, or a lot of times people have been saying, Hey, you know, Phoenix is hot right now, you know, no pun intended with, you know, summer and hot weather. Right. But they're talking about Phoenix. I'm like, well, everybody's in Phoenix right now. So how do I know you're, it's even hot? Because if everybody's saying it's hot right now, it's a hot market, then it's probably already too late for me. You know, it's probably too late for me to go into Phoenix. When I look at tertiary markets, you know, those markets that are, you know, smaller communities. I mean, they're, they're still big, big, big cities, you know, bigger cities, but they're not like the Chicago's of the world, right? They're not like the San Francisco's and places like that. There are places like Charlotte, North Carolina, right? There are places like Memphis. There's places, you know, in those directions, Jacksonville, Florida, places like that, where there are some really good opportunities and the prices are still cheap. So you can get better cash flow for the money you're spending. Got it. Cool. Cool. So thank you very much. So apart from real estate, are you investing in any other asset classes or anything? You know, I mean, I think anybody, whatever you go into, you should go into focus. That's good. If you're just a purely a passive investor, I, I definitely think that real estate is like the number one proven place to be, right? And you could, like I said, you can do it in all kinds of areas. It doesn't have to just be multifamily or single family homes, duplexes, fourplexes. It doesn't have to be all that. It doesn't have to be just self-storage or doing things with, you know, assisted care. 
you know, assisted living type of facilities, which they got hurt really, really bad in 2020, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be things like that. It could be places like you know, in the business sector, you know, um, businesses, like I mentioned franchises before. Now this, now I'm, I put this with a word of warning, right? Because every one of us has our own, our own unique situation, right? Again, we're not giving any investment advice here, but you know, sometimes you have more time on your hands, more bandwidth, as I like to say, you know, more, you know, more open schedules that you can take on a, an active type of investment. For example, if you want to be an active real estate investor, you can go into wholesaling, you can do flipping, you can do all kinds of things, right? You can go to property management, you can do cool stuff there, um, but just know that that's active. It's not, there's not financial freedom in the active realm. Uh, most, by the way, most people that are doing wholesaling and flipping are not investors. They're business owners in, in the business of real estate right? They're running a business. The only way you can become financially free in that way is you have to still have your own passive investments, right? Things that are paying you month after month, not just something you have to keep doing transactionally. Um, franchises, that's why I bring that up because franchises can be that way too. You, you could put a lot of time into a franchise or very little time into a franchise. The nice thing about franchises, you don't have to create a business from scratch. And, and if you're a business owner, your business is going to be the number one investment first and foremost. If you can profit there, find ways to create more money there and even residual income through your business, maybe create systems in play. And I do this with my own business too. My, my business pays me about 20 to 30,000 a month and just residual income, right? Just from the business making repeated income and money that I don't have to actively keep working for. That being said, you know, then there's the active side, right? Um, franchises can be the same way. Now there are franchises out there that if you put less money into it, you usually have to put more time and labor. If you're going to do the franchise route and you want more of a passive investment, just know it's never going to be fully passive. Um, even the best franchises, often you might have to spend working 20 hours a week for the first few months before you get the right people hired and in place so you can back off and work five to 10 hours a week. So there's always going to be some involvement, some sort of manage, you know, management going on, especially if you want to, that business to grow and for it to keep paying you. And it can pay you a very good amount. You can make six figures easily working eventually five to 10 hours a week in that kind of business. And I know there's other people looking at things like e-commerce. I know there's like Walmart drop shipping that's becoming popular right now, right? And Amazon and things like that. Again, those are businesses and you have to build systems in place before it starts paying you on a more regular basis. But those can be great places. I, I think business and real estate are some of the best places to look for wealth building, not for cash flow, but for wealth building. Then I look at other places like commodities. Um, there is oil investing. There's gold, silver that I love. I'm not big into crypto, even though I have a little bit, but I use that as more of my gamble money, never my wealth building money, right? So those are the kind of places I look. Um, uh, even on the paper asset side, I tend not to like paper assets like IRAs and 401ks, but I love using my life insurance. I use that a lot as a way to keep reserves as well as a way to double dip on my investment returns too. Got it. And thank you very much. So would you share any of your best investing experience so far? You know, I'd say I'm living it. Um, I mean, my best investing experience, I mean, I don't know if I would pick just one because again, there's there's so many that do well. I'll just tell you, like like I said, I love turnkey investing. You know, turnkey real estate has been my favorite. Give you an example. If you were to just pick one, right? I have a property in Memphis and it's just on my mind because we were looking at the numbers recently. I bought it three years ago. You know, I bought it in 2018 and, uh, and it started out pretty good. It had a cash on cash return of about 14%, 13%, which is great, right? Like I, I if I get at least 12% a year cash on cash return, I'm very happy, uh, especially because you know, you're getting those other returns when you do real estate like that. And you get the tax benefits, you get appreciation, you get the fact that they're paying down your mortgage. So you're building equity, even if there's no appreciation, right? I love all that. But what's cool is of course, we've raised rent like three times over the last three years, uh, especially recently, we raised another 8, 8%. So now my cash on cash returns closer to 20%. You know, that was 32,000 dollars that now is cash flowing me about 575 bucks a month net profit, even after paying the property manager, because I don't manage the properties, right? And what's even better is that now uh, with appreciation,
investigation, uh, we've had about a total return, including the cash flow. You know, net profit's been ninety thousand dollars in the last three years out of a thirty-two thousand investment. And uh, again, I don't expect that to always be the case. You know, because two-thirds of that was appreciation. But still, if even if you took out appreciation, that still leaves thirty thousand dollars I made in three years off of thirty-two thousand. I've almost doubled my money in three years uh, without appreciation, right? So it's hard to beat those kind of returns, especially because it's such low risk with higher returning investments. I mean, it's that, that's the ideal situation is lower risk, higher returns versus the world and the mainstream media and the financial advisors telling you, you have to take high risks to maybe get high returns. But the reality is you're taking high risk to get mediocre returns. Got it. Got it. And thank you very much. That's awesome deal. I can say 20%. Anything above 12% is awesome. So would you also share any of your worst uh, investing experience so far? Yeah. You know, I would say the best experience I have, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to go into thing with land, you know, I'm partnering with a guy that does a lot of land flipping and seller financing. And, and that's pretty exciting to me because there's a lot of growth potential there I mean, because normally when they do their own, uh, their own investments with their own money, they're, they're usually getting at least an 80 to hundred percent return a year on their money. Even with the, me doing a 70, 30 split where I get 70, they get 30, you know, I still expect at least about a 40, 50% rate of return on my money. You know, that's what got me pretty excited, but I'll tell you like the thing that makes it all work together is like when I'm mentioned using my, my life insurance, my, my, I call it my max ROI, infinite banking policy, using that to invest store reserves. So I'm making more than point nothing percent in the bank, right? I'm making at least four or 5% per year tax-free. And I'm able to make money on my investments at the same time, because now I can make money there. And because I can leverage it, I can get lines of credit against it from banks and things like that. I can go and invest it and, and make the usual cash flow I'm going to make anyways. So now I'm making cash flow on my investments and the life insurance company is paying me your tax-free dividends at the same time. And so um, I love that. I love being able to create leverage, get my money working harder for me. So I don't have to work so hard for my money. Good. Thank you. So what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Chris? You know, my current focus is really just educating people, you know, bringing hope because, uh, you know, like, like we already know, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you're already thinking outside the box, you're already looking for something different. And so, I mean, I'm just excited that this is starting to become just slowly more popular, right? Because there are billions of dollars of marketing trying to hide this information from you and just get you to buy mutual funds, get, you know, invest in your, your, IRA, your IRAs and your 401ks. But to know that the world is starting to wake up and there's just the, the few, the proud of us, right? There's, there's millions of us. I mean, it's not like like we're this rare breed, but when there's, you know, about almost 350 million people in this country, I would probably safely say that, yeah, maybe there's five, 10 million of us that are doing this, but we're the, we're not the loud voices. And so I'm excited that, you know, even my own podcast show, you know, I have the Chris Miles money show. I do. Um, I've seen it grow tremendously and people actually start to implement things. And, and for me, that's the only reason that I really came out of retirement in the first place, right? Cause I can live a quiet life. I can just sit up back and just, you know, really have a nice, simple, easy life, just doing the things my Myself and not telling anybody about it. But I really feel responsibility that, you know, I got to give that karma out. You know, I got to make sure I'm giving back, you know, all the blessings that I'm receiving. I want to be able to share those blessings and teach. And I love teaching. It's what gets me to wake up every morning. So be able to do that, to be able to inspire hope in people and get people to get real results. I mean, that just, that just fires me up. And that's why I keep going. That's why I keep doing what I'm doing. That's why I'm, I'm here speaking with you today is because I know that even if just one person makes a change in their life, that's going to create a ripple effect. That's going to last, not just bless their lives, but bless the lives of everybody they come in contact with, including their own children. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Thank you. So any one advice that have impact on you, Chris? 
you know, let's see, besides what I already shared, I mean, there's a lot, but I would just, you know, whenever it comes to money, you know, this is the real thing is that, you know, money is not a state of your pocketbook. It's not a state of your balance sheet or your bank statement. It really is a state of mind. And to do that, not just focusing on the strategies, right? You also got to focus on your brain. You know, what's going on with your mind? Do you live, you come from a world of scarcity or abundance? Now I'll tell you, that was one of the big things that shifted in me in 2006 that got me to get out of the rat race faster. Because when they start talking about an abundance mindset, you know, living a life without limits, you know, focusing on faith, not fear, you know, focusing from a place where money is not because of luck or from you exploiting somebody else. It's not about that. You don't have to buy the lottery ticket. You don't have to cheat somebody to make money. In truth, you actually got to do it very formulaically. It's very scientific in the sense that your focus is to create value for people. And the more value you try to create, the more problems you try to solve, the more value you try to add and, and help really just you know create value and solve problems. The more you do that, the more money that just naturally shows up. And that's what changed for me. When I started to stop focusing on how do I make more money, but instead started asking, how can I create more value for more people in a way that money is just a natural byproduct. When I started to do that, money became easy. And so, especially if you're those of you that are trying to build up your income so that you have more to invest, focus there, focus on how can I serve people? How can I solve problems? How can I create a win-win for people? You focus there, you'll realize that you've got more money to invest and everything just exponentially speeds up. You just get this massive acceleration of your money. So if anything, always come back, even when you're investing, always come back to how am I creating value? How am I serving people or solving problems? That is so powerful and I love it. Yep. So any books that impacted your life and what way? Oh my goodness. There are so many books. It depends on what you want to focus on. I mean, if you're looking at the investing world, of course, you always hear about rich dad, poor dad, right? I mean, that's always like the must read for anybody. Um, but I'll tell you, like, there's some great books out there. I mean, even Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talks a lot about that scarcity and abundance in one of those chapters. You know, there's some good stuff there. I personally love books. If, if you're in the business realm, or if you're looking to do things that are more actively working, I love the books, books like Profit First or The Pumpkin Plan. That's both written by Mike. Michalowicz, great books, especially on the sense of money, leverage, how to get most out of everything that you're trying to do. Got it. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So how can listeners kind of connect with you, Chris? Yeah, there's two ways you can you can follow us. Uh, one, you can go to our website, moneyripples.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com. Um, we got a lot of blogs, of course, you can see on there. We also have an ebook on there you can download for free, but that's a great way to reach out to us. And then, of course, if you go to our, our podcast, you can find it on iTunes or YouTube called The Chris Miles Money Show. And we've got over 500 episodes you can start binging on. So uh, they're really good for you. Got it. And thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's such an honor. Thank you for having me on today. Sure. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.